Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to the Printavo Pronouncers podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got Mr. Stephen Fair, got a Canvas Inc., and our special guest, Dominic Versace out of Denver, Colorado, Superior Inc. You know what? Let's just go ahead and hop in, and we'll do the sponsors later. Uh, you know, I just don't have a legit setup like you boys, you know? I think I would by now. The lighting's cool. Yeah, I like the green. Well, we uh, we appreciate you jumping in, especially last minute. Um, Farrick's been snaking shirt show guests, so... Yeah. What? Well, I'm not one of them. No, I'm kidding. We'll I think it was control. just... I think it was random. I, I guess uh, Shirt Show called and was trying to break Steven's knees. Um, yeah. Trying to take their guests before they came on the show. Well, dude, I'm happy to be here, man. So, you know, the thing with like uh, audio for podcasts is like I hate listening to ones that have like bad audio for guests. So let's hope that doesn't deter anybody. But we're going to talk about some cool, cool stuff today. So. Let's get into it. Okay, so Dom, if I go on your Instagram, you're driving forklifts through walls, or you're a newfound like um, actor. How's your print shop? Do you still do that anymore? Dude, hardly, man. It's crazy. It's like it is a grind, man. Like trying to produce content consistently and breaking out of like the traditional mold of like rock presses and manual squeegees getting pulled is tough like you really have to get in a different mind state so yeah it takes dude it's it takes away a lot of my time from the shop for sure so all right walk us through a day like how was your thursday it's thursday give give the folks i don't i mean you're assuming everybody knows dominic i don't who doesn't but like what what is what what's the like two-liner of dominic superior inc denver colorado you know couple auto shop Big team seem to be busting at the corners. Like, what am I missing? Man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We, we, I don't know how to describe myself necessarily or superior ink, but yeah, you kind of nailed it. Like, we've tried to be on like the forefront of um, putting out good content for a number of years, but it's changed like so much in the last six months to to the last year we're just trying to like keep ahead of the program. Like we're trying to be innovative constantly with putting, putting things out. And the crazy thing is like, it's not a consistent thing. You know, we'll, we'll have these like little stints of not putting out content or not focusing on Instagram or, or, um, or anything for like months at a time. And then we'll go super hard into it, you know, which is probably not a great technique, but you still got to run a business. You still got a million things to do. Why, uh, why, why do you want Superior Inc. to do content or like video content specifically? I mean, I think it's probably one of the most like lucrative channels that we've invested, not monetarily into, but just time. I think it's the biggest return because people get like a true, I mean, we've always said like when people are, have the ability to come in here and meet us in person, it's a pretty easy sell, but you don't have that ability with people all over the country unless yeah. you're showcasing like what the taste and what the energy and the vibe and the smell is here when you physically walk in here. What does it smell uh, like right now? It smells like sweat and hard work pretty much, you know? Not like Oklahoma. It doesn't smell like Oklahoma Shirt Company right now. What do they smell like? I don't know. Clones, but but watching, Justin, Watson, watching Justin Lawrence's Instagram... I think it smells pretty loud there. If I were to just smell over an Instagram. Um, yeah. It smells yeah, wild. I would say. I feel like every time I see you on your shop, you're like rearranging presses, moving shit around. Ryan Kasperian's in there, like messing everything up. What have you guys done in the last year? I feel like you guys have changed so much stuff at Superior. You, you had fulfillment on top. I heard you got rid of that. Uh, as well and, and dove out of that so well we just started a separate company uh called superior pack for fulfillment it's at a separate location now so we moved all that out oh superior pack and fulfillment uh just superior pack but but steven the reason that we're like always moving around is that we've like nestled into this building for so long and i feel like we're just constantly trying to evolve workflow and so we've we just got done moving, um, knocking out that wall with the forklift 
And the intention was that's like our finishing area, but it, we grew out of it in like six months. Um, and so we have a separate location where we do all of our embroidery, but like, we're not packing that place out yet. So we started a fulfillment company out of embroidery. That's like three miles away, um, to start doing like distribution and, and fulfillment for our like more top level clients. There's just a lot of commotion all the time. Like we're always kind of evolving and shifting. And part of that is just because everybody like geographically has their own, like, you know, challenges with, with economy, but we've just like tried to nestle into this building for as long as we possibly can and make it work for us. Is that cause you own it or is it just a long lease or? It's, it's a, a lease that was extended two times. So no, we don't own it. All this TI finish is just going to Brody's pocket when we leave. Which <laughs> All right, you guys completely redid your shop layout recently, right? Like everything? Yeah. Tell us about that. What was that like with Ryan coming in and being like, it's all shit, redo it all? Ryan's Ryan's good. I'm not going to give him that much credit because we kind of like had the vision. So he, Got it. he, what he does do really well is, you know, we all have this 10,000 foot view and he gets down to like the micro of this has to go here, this has to go here. So the overall vision was kind of built. He just fine tuned it. Um, but we're about to, we're about to tear that thing apart and move it all again, dude. Cause we just got an oval and a new dryer. So like all that work was for it. I wouldn't say it's for nothing, but it's going to have to change again. Uh, what what does December. your team think? What does your team think? Okay. We're moving dryers and ovens next weekend. Is everyone like, yeah, we want to move again. Or like, do they just want to kill you? Or like, is that when they threw ink at you? Like, what's that like to, cause I mean, you literally did this like eight months ago. Yeah. I think they're kind of like at the point where they're just, they're just like, all right, we'll go with the flow. You know, I think, I think everybody knows that anything that we do is for the greater good. It's not just like super whimsical and there's a plan behind it. And we talk them through it the whole time. Like I'll tell them whether that's months or days ahead of time, like what we're doing and why. And I think it's, people are pretty easy to get on board with it. Do you, do you ever have instance? I'm dealing with this right now. We're going to try and implement a warehouse management system. And uh, everyone's like, you're freaking psycho for trying to do this before fourth quarter. I'm like, Yeah. Uh, do you have people at the shop like that is just like your right hand that'll be like, yep, okay, we got this? Or is it a lot of you like on the whiteboard, like this is where this is going? This is where, like, what's what's that like in your little war room? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, you guys probably know Hunter well. Hunter's been with me for 10 years, so he's he's always like more of my implementer. There's a couple soldiers that, yeah, like I have the crazy vision and they're kind of like the warriors on the floor that have to make it a reality. And there's kind of a lot of respect, you know, from all segments that like people can understand what the reasons are and get behind it. And there's always a little bit of friction towards like plans, especially when they come up that quick and that abrasive. But overall, dude, it's just, it is what it is. It's like, it's just kind of wild. You're always adapting and evolving. And the people that like don't necessarily get it or understand it probably don't they haven't been in the organization long and, and may not last super long. Huh. Kind of that how, how many times do you guys think you've reset your shop or like since you've been in there, how many times have you moved in it, reconfigured presses, new gas lines, power lines? Like how many times do you think that's been? I mean, not that many, dude, honestly, like we've been here for seven years. We've in, in seven years, it's not that many, you know, gotcha. there was a significant one recently, but before that, the only other time that we like changed anything or moved anything was when we got flooded out. We got, we had like 26,000 gallons of water come through our, our roof that was getting what happened? changed. Uh, it was, they were like changing out the roof. This whole building's 80,000 square feet. And so they were changing out the roof and then we got smoked with this like rainstorm for three days. And so like everywhere that there's a screw hole in the roof was just pouring water. And, uh, and that was like probably four months after we moved into this building, bro. It was gnarly. It was so much wow. work. Just, you know, we had like the restoration companies come out. Uh, our dryer was compromised. Our whole ink wall, like any of the buckets that didn't have caps were just like half filled with water. So, um, but, but dude, honestly, Steven, to, 
it seems like we're moving around a lot, but like really for how long we've been here, it, it hasn't been a crazy, crazy changes. Just might seem like that's an outside. Yeah. So you've, you've got this like, so, and maybe Chris, you could pop up this video. I'll, I'll link to it here. It's, it's a really cool like drone type of, you know, flow around camera. the shop, but you're basically, you said you're buying an oval and then you mentioned something else. Uh, and it looks like there's maybe three presses in here now. What, what, what's the thoughts behind an investment like that? Like, how do you determine all right, we need to buy something like this that's X dollars versus, you know, maybe another shift or, or contract stuff out or. Well, so for this purchase specifically, it was section 179C where you can depreciate the entire purchase price of, of a piece of equipment. So it's kind of a tax strategy. Can you explain that section 179C? Like how, how do you get a full deduction? I don't know, dude. I really don't understand it. I, I had a hard time remembering 179. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of a conversation. 179 just... Yeah, it was something like in there, you know? I could be BSing it, but... Uh, so the the original reasoning for, one, getting a bigger press is that we're, we just... We fight water-based, dude. So hard. It's so dry here. And that's, like, part of why Ryan came in is, like... You know, we get a lot of like heat for not being a hundred percent water-based shop with like our whole sustainable movement, which like, that's a whole nother conversation about, is that the right move in terms of like sustainability? I think we kind of half agree, half don't. Even with our 14 color 18 station, if we're doing a six color HSA or any water-based job, like we don't have enough heads. So going with an oval, well, give us the ability to do like these eight, 10 color water-based jobs because of the amount of like flashes and cool downs that we need to be successful with it. I, I heard rumor has it. You wanted an oval because night owl has two. Well, I went into night owls and I was like, damn, that thing is so sick. And yes, that is part of it too. I was like, this is, this is unreal. So it was a little bit of that that triggered it. And then I was like, how can we afford this? And we started talking about like tax stuff and it, it totally made sense. Got it. And I did some quick research too on 179 that that's, you're right. That's the ability to deduct a full, if it's being in use, you can deduct a full equipment that first year instead of depreciated over time. But that's to my knowledge, like this is the last year that you're, you can do that. So, so basically this is how it works. And this is how it was taught to me. If at the end of the year, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars of net profit, you're gonna have to pay mm -hmm. the taxes on that. So call it, you know, $30,000. If you go out and buy a $100,000 press, you can write that all off as an expense. And so your tax appetite is now nothing and you don't have to pay that 30 grand in taxes. Um, so then you, you essentially like break even more or less, but you can still, I think you can finance the press, but take the full deduction in one shot. I think that's how it works. Yeah. But don't quote, I'm not an accountant. Yeah. Don't, don't quote me. All right, real quick, we want to bring a quick message from our sponsors. Thank you so much to the four uh, Super Incredibles here for um, powering this episode. First up, Graphic Source. Dominic, you actually use Graphic Source, right? We do. Yeah. All right, what's your Does, what's your like one favorite thing about Graphics besides Nick Wood? Uh, they save us time. They save us a ton of time. Take a lot off our shoulders. And that, you get nice messages from Nick. He'll just tell you how great you are. Do you get those too? <laughs> Oh, dude, so much. I get like 10 back to back. It's great. <laughs> he's just like, he uses the word uh, precisely a lot. Like he's just, just Nick Wood, but 1900hotstuff.com. If you need art solutions for your shop, SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management, embroidery, digitizing, back office admin, customer service with over 30 years in the game, they really know and understand shop needs and have a proven track record of success. Hit them up at graphicsource.com for your art staffing needs and mention the printable pod for 50% off your first vector sep or embroidery order. I feel like they freaking make it a tongue twister. Brent, <laughs> you need to shorten that up. Okay. Super color. Dom, do you use super color? We sure do. All right. What's your top favorite thing about super color? Go. Well, our minimums are a hundred pieces for screen printing, which is pretty high. So really, yeah. So anytime we have anything less than a hundred, um, We'll super color those bad boys. 
So, Dang. okay. So you do stuff under a hundred, but it's just, that's the, that's the cutoff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like screen printing and then anything under that goes straight to heat transfer, but super colors rad because, uh, they ship to us within two days. So like, even if you have a rush job, uh, we can always hit that turn because they're quick. That's awesome. Make sure to use fifth printavo 15, one word there to get 15% off your first order too. And, um, Supercolor has got this really cool, amazing new guide to help you with some best practices. So, you know, if you're doing high color counts, low quantities, like under a hundred, maybe gradients, hard to print locations, a bunch more Supercolor is there to help. And in this guide, they also have some best practices around pricing, what heat, um, uh, press to buy, how to just all this really cool, high quality stuff. So download that at supercolor.com slash print hustlers. The link is in the description. Farrag, Multicraft. If you need a daddy, hit up Multicraft underscore daddy on Instagram or ink supplies or ink or supplies. Um, Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years has been providing you with top brands at competitive prices. Mention the Printavo podcast and receive an extra 10% off your order. Thanks so much, Dave Eggers and the team at Multicraft. That's where we get our Monarch ink from. Bruce, uh, Alex from Easy Way had a mullet at the trade show. Um, and so I'm curious to see what he's going to have in Vegas. I heard he's growing out a rat tail. Um, but Easy Way is awesome. And you shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy Way's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster more efficiently and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Thanks so much. Easy way, Alex, you're all right too. All right. All right. The episode. When you buy something Astros. like that, this, this might be a personal question. Do you finance or do you do buying in, in straight cash? No, I finance it just cause it makes it just cause we want to be in a strong cash position, you know? Um, but if I'm going to be real honest with you guys, I like this was the first year that we implemented profit first and like actually had a tax account. And so in 2021, I'm sorry, this year we owed so much tax from 2021 that I was like, dude, we can't have another, I used all the money, the tax money for this year to pay last Mm. year. So I was like, dude, we got to invest in equipment. So our tax liability is not crazy, even though we've prepared for it this year we still had to like offset last year and use that money. That's a good problem though. That's, that means you're making money as long as the tax was like, but, but you're saying you set aside the tax money, but it already, you're saying basically you just want to pay less tax and, and invest more in the business. No, I set aside the tax money for next year, but I used this year's money to pay last year. Got it. So it's slightly behind and then profit yeah. first will help allow to budget that. How, how has that process been of implementing it? Uh, dude, it's been good, man. Like, I uh, shout out to Steph. You, Steph, do you, do you still still? Oh, at uh, uh, Spark. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did for a pretty long time. When we restructured as a C corp, we actually just hired a CFO, so we have graduated. But different, different oh, conversation, nice. different day. That's and that's Spark Consulting, right? Sparks Consulting. Yeah. How, how is okay. that, Dom? If anybody like, else wants to. Cause, cause I know, wasn't your mom helping you out with this stuff or something or? Yeah, bro, we have so many cooks in the kitchen of our books, but yeah, my mom has done, she has no extensive background in books and like my mom, bless her heart, just tries so hard. But like, so we have her that's kind of taken more of an HR role because she's like every single person in here calls her ma, you know? So she's like stepped into more like employee mitigating problems. And then we have spark that does our accounting and then we have a cfo he's a fractional cfo uh, to do like projections and like really get into the weeds of our finances which step can do hold on i I know because i know you're about to ask about this too wait can you just go go into real quick though on the on the profit first transition because it is hard to actually constrain yourself on spend i i feel like as a business owner you just like always want to pile stuff back in and you'll sacrifice your salary. You'll sacrifice just so that you just like, ah, just, just keep plus on the tax aspect too, um, can be a big gotcha. So yeah. What's that been like difficult, easy? What? I mean, I think that, I think it's been the hardest part of it was just like opening 
we switched from Chase Bank to Alpine. Alpine is like a smaller localized bank. They're all in the mountains. They're just like khaki shorts, like mountain bros. And I really liked that because Chase, I don't know how many like millions and billions of dollars you need to make to like know your banker. But uh, that was the first thing is like setting up a whole nother bank account and then getting off the credit cards from Chase Bank and, you know, leveraging a different credit card company. Mm -hmm. Um, So to answer your question, like the hardest part is just like all the discipline that you have to do to like prepare yourself for profit first. But then once you open up all those accounts, if you have somebody like Spark Consulting that's doing your money allocations, it's really pretty easy, dude. Like we've never had money just chilling, you know? How does it feel? It feels wild, bro. Like it's, it's weird to have money like sit in these accounts because I've never seen that before. It's just like, as soon as you get revenue in, you pay down your credit cards and you just keep rolling. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not necessarily, I'd say we're just as profitable as the previous years, but like we're seeing it like go to work in different areas. Whereas before it was just like one huge pot comes in and then it goes out. Now it's, now it's like clear what you need to be doing to plan. So, so I'm not saying it was like mad easy, but it wasn't this crazy strenuous process that I had. How, how much do you live in the numbers? Like, are you looking at bank balances every day? Like I sometimes get scared of like logging into the bank. You're just like, Oh boy, <laughs> I didn't, I just like looking at Stripe, you know, like how much is coming in? I, I check it all religiously, bro. But it's like my apps are like Instagram, email, and then my bank, bro. I'm always trying to like get a read on it. It's like an addicting thing. Plus I monitor Stripe really often too. Cause when we have like a really good Stripe day, I screenshot it and send it to Justin, uh, barrel maker. I'm like, take that bitch. What's, what's your biggest Stripe day? Can you Stripe flex on Justin right now? It's probably double his biggest day. Got it. Justin, <laughs> no, you're not not listening to this. He crushes it on Stripe actually. I don't know, dude. Like we've had some pretty monsters, but it, Steven, we've talked about this too, because it's like, you're all hyped, but then if it's like a monstrous Stripe transaction, you're like, oh shit, we're paying 3% on that, you know? But with Printavo Payments, there's your plug, Bruce. This ad is sponsored by Printavo Payments Bank Transfers. 1% 1% up to $20. Uh, you acquired an embroidery shop and then you got Superior Pack. Are those different companies? Like they bill each other like to Superior Inc.? Or is it one one umbrella company or how does it work? Oh, that's a good question, dude. Um, <laughs> so, so the embroidery is under Superior Inc. It's not a separate company at all. It's kind of treated in a way as a separate company, but like all the employees are on the same payroll. It's just a different location, but it's under the same books. Superior Pack... Uh, after talking to Eric with Night Owls, like we decided that it'd be better to start a separate company for that. Um, and so what, why? Because what we want to happen is if we decided, um, like the way I want my invoicing to be is like, we do the manufacturing, we produce the goods, they get billed by superior ink. Then they go to superior pack which is a separate location, separate books. And they get invoiced once a month based on the volume that was shipped. And it like cleans our books up. So you don't have to do all these like transactional reconciliation of a ton of different, cause it's like a pick and pack fee is two fifty a piece. And we're, if we're fulfilling a thousand orders. Like it just gets med- messy and muddies the water. So we wanted a separate company. Um, yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said, uh, there's some companies, there was this company is like this billionaire guy. He's like, we find expenses on our P and L and we turn them into companies. I thought that was super interesting. Bruce, did you hear that on my first million the other day? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, they, their example was, um, procurement. So they're always like buying stuff. Um, I'm sure you guys, you know, any, any shop has this where they're trying to buy it. At, and, but when they're buying it across their companies, they want to get better deals and negotiations. And so they started a company to help negotiate for better rates on, on certain consumables. Um, but I, I definitely see your point though, of it makes it a lot cleaner and easier to manage it, or, or measure the viability of the business too. So, yeah. you know, like, like, have you been able to see, wow, this business is profitable fairly quickly or you could see a path to that or work to go or what do you think? Well, we just started it. So I have no idea. I don't even know how to price this shit out really. You know, 
Like we're, oh, we're okay. So it's super new. Dom, what warehouse pick and pack system do you guys use? So we require that clients that we do this for have to be on Shopify and then we use SKU vault and then you use SKU vault. Yeah. Is it good? It's dope from what I, from what I know of it so far. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rad. We literally were on a demo with them. We were on a demo with them yesterday. I mean, don't take my word to, like, to heart because I don't know like other softwares, but like it's the best thing that I've seen in terms of like inventory management, assigning your SKUs, building out like your whole fulfillment center, you know, your bin systems, and then being able to manage like unlimited stores. Yeah. Are, are you going to fulfill customer supplied items? Like if like say someone brings you a bunch of stuff, would you fulfill for them? Dude, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. You know, like we've been approached by it, but I was really intentional. If I'm going to start a separate company, like we have to have parameters around what makes sense for us and what doesn't. And so essentially if superior pack is a break even company, maybe we make like, you know, 5% margin, it's feeding superior Inc. way more business than we would otherwise. So it's like more customer retention by building a separate company, Hmm. you know, what's the, what do you think is the flip side of that though? Like, I, I guess playing devil's advocate, you know, could it be an interestingly profitable business from just focusing on fulfillment of anything? I think it definitely could be. I think the, the goal was like, we don't, I don't want to get in the weeds with this different, like, industry that I know nothing about until I'm a master at it. And then once we are experts at fulfilling orders for like superior ink, then we build the infrastructure and we can scale it up. That's why part of the reason why I built a separate company too, is if it takes legs and if it is profitable, then that can be its own entity and we can start being a true 3PL for stuff that we don't produce, but I don't want to do it for, wildly comfortable with it but but then you start competing with like ship bob and like these huge fulfillment centers and like they have robots and stuff like that's yeah that's a whole nother league to get into totally but it and seems it's, like uh, there's so much demand for that and it's it's sort of like a you know like a shop in a way where it's very dependent on relationships too and uh and the fact that you print for them or you built that relationship there so obviously they're going to want to ride with you yeah i mean one thing too is it's like kind of getting into the it's kind of getting into the print on demand type demographic which we don't necessarily want to take part in yet same philosophy as like you know hybrid and dtg i don't really want to do that until eric's and all those dudes like master it and the technology is like where we want it to be i don't want to jump ship on that yet do you, how do you price yours, your fulfillment side, Farag? Well, ours are all licensing deals. So we license the brand and we manage the brand on behalf of the organization. So it's not like we're, we're taking, so what we do is we're taking, you know, a champion S 600 and we're using it across 14 different stores. So we'll, we'll carry blanks on our shelf and basically we'll keep like a very minimum amount of stuff to do our own like sort of on-demand like model. So it's, I, I think Dom, to your point, you guys have like, whether it's bands or someone or like influencers, they're actually buying the products and putting them on your shelves and then paying you to fulfill, right? Like a proper 3PL. Yeah. Ours is in left field. It's hmm. not pretty. And then you said you were just charging, uh, you said 250 We'll, we'll probably be, so we'll do three buckets. We'll do bulk storage. So we'll charge by the pallet. We'll charge for the software. Uh-huh. Like SKU, we'll, we'll charge the client that because that's a software that we'll manage for them. And then a pick and pack fee in the two fifty to three dollar range. But what was interesting, um, you know, the dudes at uh, Hello Merch, Sam, yeah. and then were super. Uh, they gave me a lot of information going into this and so did Eric, but they use like rev share models, which is interesting too. So like if you have a touring band, you know, they are producing this stuff with them and then obviously they're fulfilling it. So all they really have to do is build the following. They're, they're taking way less of a cut, but they don't have to do anything. And so 
I thought that was an interesting model. Cause like, if you think about it this way, say Superior produces a garment, you know, it's an all made shirt and it's three color front, two color back. It's probably out the door for like 12 to $14. Then they go to a three PL and they charge them three or $4 to manage it. By the time it gets to them, it's like 18, 19 bucks and they sell it for, for 30. If you do a rev share model of like an 80, 20 or 70, 30, they're probably going to be like making the same profit, but they're hands off and they're with one company. That yeah. Sense. That, that's what we do with our athletes is a rev share. So it's like, we, we curate everything. Um, but then they have like demands and requests and you're like, eh, that doesn't fly this way. You know? Totally. Um, well, that's where that's, yeah, that's, that's where it gets tricky, bro. You know, like you got to almost like, that's where I'm going into this where it's like, we really have to stick to our guns with, with what works and, you know, because then what happens, Stephen, when you onboard a store and they just like don't move product at all, you're just sitting on stuff, you know. Fulfillment. Okay, is there is there anything else on fulfillment? Because I, I kind of wanted to dig into content. I know we sort of jumped in, but there was like, well, dude, yeah, that's the tangent. It's a good segue because, like, to to back to the beginning of this, bro. Like starting this separate company and then also trying to really like dig my heels into content is really hard to manage and the fulfillment shit is not very fun, but the content yeah. stuff is way fun. So that's where I'm trying to put most of my time. All right. So if you go to Superior Inc's Instagram, Dom, you like are featured as like, you act like a Gen Z person interviewing someone starting a lifestyle brand. Like they are really funny. Do you yeah, have... It, what it is your very co- high quality too. I mean, this oh, yeah. is like... You know, the the camera, the angles, like this is not uh, somebody's iPhone. Yeah. Did you, like, how big is your content team? Like, do you have one dedicated, couple dedicated people that are just doing this all the time? Like, what does that look like? It's a big team, dude. It's so, it's really like, it's getting a little bit out of control just in terms of cost because what happens is like, okay, so you're coming at this approach in a couple different ways. One, it's like content's king. It really has to be relevant. But I just got to a point, dude, where I was like so sick of like in 2010, 2012, Instagram, it's like you could, you could shoot whatever and it was innovative. And now in our industry is so saturated with the process of screen printing. Like I, I just can't see another press pulling a squeegee like I talked about. So, and then also how big is our industry, you know, the screen printing industry? How big is it? Like if you reach every single screen printer, it's a pretty small audience. And so I started thinking like, how do we, how do we apply some of the stuff that we do in our industry and it's applicable to every other industry. And so we started thinking of these like little narratives, like storyboards and story guides that are like, focusing on what we do but it's relevant to other people and so it's like i feel like a little seinfeld episode dude we're starting to write content that's like well scripted out and thought of like months in advance um so to answer your question we have drew the director who does most of our content but it's getting to the point where these like cinematic reels are so i don't want to say overproduced but like if you look at a Gen Z content creator, they're on their iPhone and they're doing everything through Instagram reels or TikTok. Whereas we're like going with the older school model of producing it almost like a Hollywood film and then using it for reels. And so one, it's like really gets expensive. Um, and we're trying to figure out how we can go with these concepts, like a little bit lower budget. So right. We have Drew, we just onboarded a marketing agency, which I've been against for the last decade. Um, but we're trying it out just because things are growing so quickly. And it's hard why to were you why were you open to it? I guess I'll start with the reason that I've been against it is like like if you have if you want to focus on SEO, right? Mm-hmm. You can either hire like some nerdy kid that's really good at it, and if you pay him two thousand bucks a month it's going to go a lot further than if you pay an agency 2000 bucks a month because they have a lot of overhead and your dollar's not going to go as far. Sure. So I've always like, I've always called like our marketing team, our in-house team, like just ragamuffins. They're not certified marketing people from agency background. There's like a bunch of people that are just like 
not really yeah the ragamuffins but it's like we're looking for a junior ragamuffin denver colorado (laughs) (laughs) we're looking for a lead ragamuffin yeah we need a lead ragamuffin but um so like the world of marketing is so crazy because it's like you need a copywriter and you need a content creator and you need a videographer photographer and all these people are full-time plus the agency yeah, but they're also like full time, not just doing this. You know, I'm just like pulling employees that have a little spark of something creativity applying. or something. Yeah, but like Drew, just happenstance, he would he came in and uh, was a videographer and rented space upstairs, and I didn't even know him for like six months that he was just renting space from us. And then I got familiar with his video stuff, and we brought him on. But he's freelance; like he's not. He's getting to the point where he's almost full time with us. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of having that discussion with him of how to scale his business up to accommodate. But, so but I, I will say when you get someone, so we just hired a full time videographer literally like two weeks ago uh, and I would send Bruce's stuff. And I was like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Once you get them, like the stuff they put out is just heat, you know, like it just yeah. like you don't have to worry about like, hi guys, that look like shit. You like, they just... It's like one thing you don't have to worry about anymore is like your stuff looking awesome, you know, versus yeah. like that Gen Zer that's going to go on at TikTok or Reels and like put something together and you'll be like, uh, like, what was that? What did you, what did you post? I don't know, Bruce, like, what about you? I, I like the direction. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm obviously a huge believer, believer of all content marketing and just trying to do it in a lean way. Um, but I, I, what I find fascinating is, you know, you went balls to the wall here on it, right? And so that that's where I'm curious. Like, so strategically, do you is your thought that this helps drive the brand forward and drives customers and customer awareness as they you know look around to see what Superior Inc. about, get a you know an understanding of of the vibe and. Um, or to stand out or like how, how does it play into superior ink? That's a good question, dude. It's a big risk right now. Like the amount of money that I'm trying to invest in this and the return on it is really, really hard to calculate. And I'll, I'll give you an example. It's like the people that we're attracting through Instagram are not necessarily like desirable, like relationships. Mm-hmm. So I'll, like as an example, if I wanted to approach like the marketing director, the purchasing manager at Bale Resorts, she's not going to find us off of one of these videos that we're putting out. It's probably going to be like, we may get a surplus of new startup brands or smaller companies that, that could ultimately be a good relationship, but are kind of like tire kickers in a way where it's like, we're having to field through, we're attracting a lot of business. that's not necessarily the best business for us. Um, but the philosophy is just to stay ahead and constantly be putting out relevant stuff. And then the bigger question then becomes like, do we brand this as superior ink or do we brand this as like Dom Rizzachi content? Because it's like, I don't want superior ink to be like the Dom show. Like I want to highlight employees and I want to highlight things that we're focusing on, but you know, I'm having a blast doing this. So that's where I'm, not really sure where we're going to take this moving forward. It might have to branch out into a separate kind of entity. Like content is so weird, dude, because you have like passive content absorption and then you have like active engaged content. And the difference is like over the shoulder, you're ever on a plane and you see somebody scrolling their Instagram. It's, it's crazy, bro. They're just scrolling and maybe stopping on something for two seconds. It's very rare that they're watching for more than 15 seconds. So that's like passive content absorption. They're just, when you're on Instagram, you're in fast mode. You're not really looking to like dig in. Whereas a podcast, they're hungry for it. They're like, dude, I can't, like I want to listen to the Churchill podcast or the Printavo podcast or Theo Vaughn. Like you go into that with the intention that like you want to sit down for a long time and and listen and engage with this. It's just weird. Like different platforms have a certain like attention tolerance and you, the consumer goes into that 
with a different mindset for each platform. And TikTok and Instagram is so quick. Isn't it crazy though, the social proof it provides? So like we're obviously huge, we're getting really big in the NIL space. So we started an NIL like podcast 30 minutes once a week. The amount of random people that are like, oh, I listen to that. And I'm like, what? You know, Mm. do you, are you getting more and more people reaching out to you being like, yeah, I saw your thing. Like, has that over the last couple of months, have you felt that? Yeah, dude. And that's a really good point. So back to the Vail Resorts lady, like call her Susan. I don't know if you just... Becky or whoever, you know what I'm saying? The, the whale that you're trying to land. Like there's no way she's going to be a client by watching that. But the social proof, if we hook her a different way, nine times out of 10, we're getting a whale from a referral. But then when you get that referral, they need that social proof and credibility. So she may be in her fifties or sixties and probably has an Instagram or Facebook, but like if she stumbles on our content, and we seal her on one end, then she sees that. She's like, oh, this is like really funny, relevant stuff. Like this company looks like they have their shit together. And also they're like kind of hip into, you know, it is good social proof for that matter. Mm -hmm. I think think that's interesting. You're saying like the content you're producing might be super entertaining for your like customers who are like your champions. And if you focus on making them your champions, like – that'll help the referral market. And I don't know, it's like, have you ever guys heard of like the marketing funnel of like where customers are, people that know you, don't know you, loyal, love you. And it's like, you just kind of keep pushing people down your funnel. Bruce, you know what I'm talking about? Like you guys do this with Printado, yeah, right? Like Totally. Constantly. <clears throat> I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, my belief on content marketing has always been that strategically, it's aligned with who we want to be. We want to be like for us, we want to be a source of to help your business grow. You know, yours, maybe we want to be a source of um, could be entertainment or, or, or an extension of our brand. Right. Um, I think every company is a bit different, but in that same regard, uh, it is harder to measure the effects of content marketing. Like it just, and, and I think a lot of that is due to, it takes a long time it's not like you can do it for three months and then, you know, like a paid ad. So you, you buy a paid ad, you buy a keyword like Denver screen printing, let's say, right. And then somebody clicks on it and then they fill out your contact form or they don't. So you can totally measure that funnel. You can't measure somebody watching a video and then maybe coming back to an article because it has some sort of SEO keywords they were looking for. And then, you know, a month later fills out an inquiry form. Uh, but those continuous touches, it seems like it's just, can you get more touches on potential customers and elevate the company as a, as a, just like a a leader above what other people aren't doing. And that's where I, that's where it seems like you guys are aligned with. And that's where, you know, we try to do it. And that's why I encourage anybody to do it, to figure out whatever niche they're in. That's a really good point. It's also like, we're not selling a product, you know? We're selling a service and that's a really hard thing to time out. Cause so even if we, even if one of our prospective buyers watches our video and like they're a dream client, the chances of them, us hitting them at the right time to place an order or fill out a form are so minimal. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But so yes, you're right. There's no real trackable ROI on the videos that we do. By any means, I think we're way overspending, but one, it builds culture. It's fun as shit. And two, like the gambler's philosophy, I always associate marketing with gambling. It really is gambling because you're putting your money on the table and you're seeing what sticks. And if something sticks, you're trying to emulate that and do it better. But the gambler's philosophy is the, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. So in other words, if I'm at the roulette table and I put $5 on 17, I'm going to be pretty hyped. But I'm like, why didn't I put a hundred bucks on that? Sure. So like, I'm investing all this money into like this stuff that's not necessarily getting a quick return, but it's building up this social proof and this network that will hopefully eventually like 
grow our following enough to where it, it, it makes sense in the long game. But it is risky, dude. And the way that we're doing it, like, I don't think that we're pioneering anything or it's even like that dope yet. But you I put, kind of, do you put these on YouTube or no? We don't. That's another so, discussion. To do. Yeah. Even, even though they're shorter, um, there's some channels that have like one minute, two minute videos that are pretty darn popular. Uh, there's like one in the basketball um, area and they always just like make fun of LeBron and, you know, stuff like that. But they, uh, the SEO from YouTube may be of interest to try because it's the same exact video. So you already made it and you could put it onto there. And then, you know, that those keywords help show up in natural, um, the natural search engine when people look for it and elevate your, your yeah. website authority essentially. So... Well, I feel like um, YouTube Shorts is like a really like that's a good direction to go to. Like it's it's smaller bite sized content, you know. Traditionally, YouTube's like more educational and like longer form. Okay. No, I, I was I was listening to some the other day that said if you want to get in shape or lose weight, if you go to the gym three times a week for three years, like, and you're just consistent, it's gonna work, right? And you you watch what you're eating. Marketing is no different. Most people just can't consistently do whatever habit they've started doing or they'll start posting about something and then when they don't feel the return of it, they'll just stop. And yeah. and I feel like some of the best brands – and Bruce, this is something you've been doing since day one is just consistently putting out a blog. Like a couple times a week, put out a blog, put out of this, put out of that. Um, and it, even if it's not high production value – just like getting behind a computer and writing or whatever. Um, I've been following a bunch of these guys that have like sub stacks and they, they write out like these email newsletters and then they sell them for like millions and millions of dollars. And they said like the hardest thing to do is just sit and write like, but it's, it's a 20 minute task that they do a couple times a week. Um, Bruce, when you were early days at Printava, what were those early habits? Like what were the non-negotiables for you when you were marketing? I was doing the same thing, basically Dom was doing, although our quality was a lot lower, but it was, uh, I actually put in 30 minutes every morning and I researched some sort of business owner topic. Um, it could be how to hire a sales rep. It could be how to hire someone like on account management. It could be when to let someone go, like just all these different things that I was dealing with that I know shop owners as business owners are also dealing with. And then I just talk about it and I talk about the best practices that I'd find. Um, cause obviously we, we wanted to help more shops, but yeah, it, it was every day for about six months. And, and then after that I couldn't, it just like could not. But then, so <laughs> here's, just, so here's a funny backstory. Bruce would have me write like a couple blogs. I couldn't write for shit. Remember you'd like, you're a good writer list, though. Like, yeah. A hundred topics and be like, I just need you to do like one a week. And then he hired a VA from the Philippines to uh, keep me in check. Remember that, Bruce? What was his name? <laughs> and so I'd get, a, I'd get a message on Slack from this guy being like, hi, Steven, is your article ready? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> I got to remember his name. Um, but I mean, it, Dude, it's it, the consistency. It, it was the consistency and it worked. Um, all yeah. right, Dom, you said you're sick of seeing people just shooting a video of like ink going across a screen. I agree. Talk about why you don't think that is the best way to market anymore. I don't necessarily think that it's not a good approach. I do think that it's, it's captivating and it's like people from the outside of our industry want to see the process of it. But from being in the industry, it's, it's just tiresome to see it, you know, so much over and over because we got to that point too, Steven, where it's like, we're doing these longer form videos and I, I just I tell every videographer it's like dude you can't come in and recreate the same thing like I, I I just couldn't put out videos of the same thing with maybe a different taste or different style and that but I don't think that there's a place for it I do agree with like smaller companies that don't have access to or time because it is a right. grind and a discipline to yeah. do what we're doing. And, and the thing is, dude, is it's, not, it's, it's not nothing, but it's not like, it is such small fish 
you know, like content creators are and are conglomerates, you know, they have massive followings and we're hardly anything, but it's the slow drip. It's the consistency and it's the discipline of taking time to do it. So the easy thing is to go back there. It is fun to see presses move around for people that haven't been immersed in that, but I'm so burnt on it personally with our shop. Cause it's like, I can't shoot this any other way. It's the same freaking thing. So we need to get out of that and start just being more relevant with life. And that's where the Gen Z thing comes in. That's where like the brand thing comes in. Like what's this funny shit that we deal with. That's not a press movie. Cause now we can reach a wider audience. We're not just going to like potential customers and screen printers. It's relatable shit to, to anybody. It's just like almost Seinfeld style skits. They're fun to do. I think what's interesting, I, uh, there was a TikTok that I sent to Bruce. It was like, you should market your business putting binoculars on your business, not billboards. So like people don't care about like necessarily what you do as much as like the behind the scenes special details. And without ever visiting your shop, Dom, like I bet you my whole staff like knows your culture because they just see it behind the scenes. And it's genuinely like pretty authentic. So I think if, if anyone's like taking a piece out of this, like it's okay to be vulnerable and kind of put yourself out there and show like your true stripes a little bit. Um, maybe not all of them, but you know, I don't know. So yeah, dude, it's um, like we have a cup, we have, that's what's funny is that I feel like it's the tip of the iceberg. Like we've put out a couple like decent ones that I'm stoked on. And, but we have a lot that are being conceptualized. Like our next one, I'll do a little spoiler alert. We're going to talk about like employee cell phone usage. Cause it's always a problem. So I, I installed a zip line. I bought a zip line on Amazon and I'm going to jump out of the window and the uh, upper of the shop and just kick out a phone out of somebody's hands. And like, that's how you mitigate this problem. <laughs> Dude, While the press okay. is running, Dom's right, going to drop Dom. into a press. Oh my God. <laughs> Please post this on YouTube under some sort of just like business owner woes. Like I, there's so many people that I'm sure run different types of businesses that would love this, let alone that could be potential customers too. Um, but for real, you got to promise me to, to please post this and make like a, you know, SEOE or whatever title and then text me. I, I'm telling you like that kind of stuff is so creative and clever that it could do really well on that could go yeah, LinkedIn dude, viral. on YouTube. That go LinkedIn. Yeah, viral. that too. Yeah, there's. I mean, right now we're just focused on Insta because, like, that's just the thing that we've always gravitated to. But we can. I mean, you can recycle content too on all these other platforms. And the reality yeah. is, we need to start moving to TikTok because you know I've I've had a lot of indicators that Instagrams. I don't want to say it's like drying up, but I just feel like, oh, dude, that was the other thing I was going to say. Okay, so you have Gen Z legit content creators that are like, it's kind of just flowy. It's like in their bones to create content and have it pop off. And then you have like this, this corporate funding, like, dude, I walk, I was at this construction seminar the other day and I just was hearing these like old ladies talking about like the TikTok budget. And I was like, dude, you have all this like funding going in to monetize on TikTok. And it's just like, it's cringy because I don't want to be that person that's like trying super hard to create this like Gen Z style content, but it's just like you can watch, I won't even name names, but even in our industry, there's people that have got on the TikTok train and it's just like, it's very clear that it's not coming like naturally. It's like forcing it and you can tell the difference between an actual content creator and a more corporate world that's like funding an agency to come up with clever things and, and, put and on they're TikTok. probably paying a shit ton more Bro, for and sure i think what's uh what's interesting is gen z's are the most create it's in their bones right like they're the most creative gig economy focused they just get it like our tiktok is run by our youngest employee like in full time like none of us can do what she does and she she knows the trends the songs the this the that and i'm like whatever like you do it you know but then yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be curious to see if like big companies start to adopt that espn did this with house of highlights that kid omar they bought house of highlights and now omar runs the espn instagram that's like genius um it was a kid that just made highlight reels 
Um, and now that's, that's ESPN's Instagram. I'd be curious to see if bigger companies start finding like the, like the 20 year olds to run their, run their channels. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, bro. Is like, it's not, it's like a, it's like an art kid that comes out of art school. That's like not dope at art. You know, it's like you have this innate ability to create content and it's just never been like a vertical up until the last five years. So, cause that, that's, cause not all Gen Z or like younger generations are savvy with it. You know, um, there's like outliers, but yeah, I have no doubt, dude. Like it's really hard to like teach this when you're like past that point, when you didn't grow up in Instagram or TikTok zone. Bruce, Bruce tried to make a TikTok once and like, it wasn't great. Bruce, remember? <laughs> it was fun. It, it took a lot longer than we thought. Well, dude, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, we'll do, I'll, we'll be like feeling this Instagram thing and we'll move over to TikTok and like rethink how to shoot stuff because it's just, it's different, man. It's like the same, but it's different. And I feel like a little like crusty and like too old for it, too, in a way. But so I'm like talking about these corporations that are adopting to move into this, but like, we are kind of that too, you know, like I'm a little past that age in that generation, but I think it's still relevant enough to where we can do it in an okay way. But, um, it's just, it's weird to think that like big businesses are breaking out of the traditional content marketing and really putting value on, on be it reels or TikTok. I want to quick pivot here uh, to cover uh, around sustainability. You guys push on that a lot. Um, I've seen questions come up as far as from shops. How, how do we, like, what, what does that actually mean for a shop? And I was curious if you, and maybe you've got some Farragut you're in too, if there's like a list of some things that people can start doing to make their shop more sustainable. How much time do we have? This will. This is a full conversation, um, but I can, I can button it, button it down to fairly quick bullet points for sure. So that's a question that we get asked all the time, and I think the the short answer is like you have to you have to not be one person that wants to be moving this direction. Like you have to be an organization that's moving this direction. You really do. Because it's like, it spreads like wildfire and everybody has to be on board. It can't be the business owner. Like we want to go sustainable because, I mean, they do, it needs to start there, but, um, but it's really intimidating because there's, it's a, it's a very expensive process. It can be, but it can also be an like easy access point. So what really helped us with this was the certification of the city of Denver because they really outlined like, what are you doing that's can be improved? What were some things on that list? Um, for us, it was like our energy consumption, water consumption, how to mm-hmm. minimize that. And then that trickled into like our recycling program. So getting into like a more circular economy. So instead of just like recycling our cardboard boxes, like, can we find somebody that can adopt those? Like we found the Denver zoo that uses them to shred them for animal pens and Mm. different processes that like the reason I say it's a grind and it can't be one person on board is it's, it is a discipline just like building content and it never stops. Like you have to have somebody that's committed to like just sustainability. If you want to be, make the biggest impact. Um, and as I said that, I was like, that's kind of daunting for somebody that's trying to just do better and be better. Cause it's like, how can you hire a full-time person towards sustainability? But at least for us, it's like, there's so many different ways to minimize your impact. What, what are some of those other things for you guys? Like as specific as you could think of. So like the boxes, you're, that's you're, pretty cool. So you give it to the zoo, they <laughs> do whatever with you reduce water usage. I mean, I think Steven, you you're packaging, you right? Solar. We have solar on our building. Packaging. Packaging Packaging is big. You know, you got to think about, so I think about it from two, two angles. It's like incoming and outgoing. What are the, what are the ways that you can fix and reduce the manufacturing like carbon footprint? And that we always put that into garments. That's why we so heavily educate people on going organic cotton versus conventional. 
because there's only so much you can do as a print shop to minimize your, to offset your impact, you know? And I always say like, if you want to be sustainable then stop producing things because it's unrealistic to like not have an impact. So you have to go in into it with the right understanding that you're not like, you're going to have an impact. And it's weird with our industry because we always push volume to bring price down. It's the same philosophy with fast fashion. You want to drive the demand, drive the production up to bring the cost down. And that's counterintuitive to like offsetting the problem. For us, it's like, we are always educating people on this is the difference between going with, I won't name name names, but a conventional cotton shirt versus organic cotton. Like here's how much you're going to be saving in terms of water chemicals. That's the most important thing. It's not the ink that you're using. The ink certainly plays a role in it. The chemicals that you use, you know, but that's where it gets a little bit tricky is, you know, are you going to convince a two auto shop or maybe a one auto shop to, to replace all their filtration systems and get, you know, a CTS printer and, and a, and an auto reclaimer that, you know, like those are some of the more heavy lifts. Um, but like for us, it was like, we replaced our toilets that were more energy efficient. We started buying all of our like wipes and all of our supplies. We started paying a little bit extra to go with, you know, sustainable options and doing our research on that. Um, and those are like little access points that are easy to start getting in those, those good habits. Um, and then it just kind of inspires from there. Hopefully that kind of. Smart. That's actually pretty cool. There's things like you yeah, don't think about, right? Like, uh, especially pushing on the organic cotton, um, the replacing of different like utilities in the shop, the filters, getting rid of film. Yeah, we did like we convert, you know, we were on in an old building. So swapping all the T12s to LEDs, you know, and there's rebate programs with XL that like helps you with that. So if, if it would normally cost us $20,000, we get a rebate with XL and they'll offset a lot of yeah. that expense. If you switch all of your bulbs over to LEDs, your power bill will go down a ton. We just actually mm-hmm. did that uh, recently. But but I think to your point, Dom, it's like you could do a lot of little things that make a big impact. It doesn't have to be something drastic. I think it's just that that like acknowledging it and then reducing like your impact and find I, I think like getting buy-in is probably the coolest part. Um, cause some people look at it and be like, why, why should we do this? You know, um, that's pretty sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It is, it is a team thing, dude. You all get stoked on it. Um, and then the other thing too, is like, you really have to think about what are your highest waste points? Like you think about the inbound stuff and minimizing impact by going organic cotton and recycled plastic, but then what's the biggest detriment on the stuff that leaves our shop, like spoilage, you know, you can use test prints till they're just one big old print. But then like, you know, that's where that's where the time of research is an easier access point than spending money. So like we went down this rabbit hole of what do we do with seconds? Because every print shop has crazy amounts of shirts that are spoilage and it's mm-hmm. shitty to throw those away that go straight to the landfill. Like one program that we found that's dope is Marine Layer uh, has this rebate program. So they'll take it and cut out the plastisol prints and recycle them into their products. Wow. And it's kind of expensive to do that because there's a lot of manpower involved in sorting through those things. But for me, it's like if I have a thousand shirts of spoilage, they charge you a dollar a piece to recycle them for you. So it's a thousand bucks to get rid of a thousand shirts. But you have this peace of mind and like this equity into that brand now saying like we contributed to this recycled cotton program, you know, and it's like, it feels way better than, you know, would never like throw shit like that away. And that's what shop owners have to be conscious of. is like, like, you know, you don't just put recycling bins back there and expect that everything's going to be solved. Like you have to label those bitches. So they know exactly. Cause if you recycle stuff and then you put film in there, you put something that's not recyclable and throw it away that consider that never getting recycled because they're not going to deal with the sorting of that. So you have to make it crystal clear to your whole team. Like we need to be conscious of what we're recycling and doing it the proper way. 
And that's where it's like that inclusiveness and a team effort because I can't just say go recycle in these bins. Yeah. They have to believe in it for it to get done right. Dominic Versace, thank you so much. Um, it's been awesome to, to uh, hang out. I'm going to, we'll drop a link down below. We did a shop tour. Gosh, maybe that was two years ago or a year ago. One of the highest viewed shop tours though. So you can check that out to be able to see everything and everything that they're working on. But um, follow them at Superior Inc. on Instagram. Thank you again, of course, for the time, Dom. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Happy to do it. We'll talk to you soon.